Good morning, church. I want to invite you to go ahead and grab your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And we've just finished the faith chapter, right? Chapter 11. And as we've been walking through Hebrews, we have seen that Jesus is better because He's the only Savior who actually saves. The world presents to us a lot of false saviors. Uh, Money, for example, or success, or fame, or educational attainment, or career advancement. But these things don't save. Jesus alone can save. It's only through the, the bloody and atoning sacrifice of Jesus that we can have access to a holy God. We needed a perfect substitute, and Jesus is that substitute. So in, in chapter 10, the author tells us you can't fall away from Jesus. You must not let go of Jesus. You've got to finish the race. You've got to pursue to the end in order to receive the promises of God. And then in chapter 11, we get all these wonderful examples of people who endured adversity and hardship and distress and persecution, and they did it by faith in a God they could not see. They believed His Word and His promises. But the examples of chapter 11 are not just a a history lesson for us. They're wonderful examples. But they are used, if you think about the literary strategy or, or the flow of the letter the strategy is all right i'm going to challenge you to endure then i'm going to show you many examples of endurance people who persevered through all sorts of different calamity and distress and adversity and hardship and then i'm going to beginning again in chapter 12 i'm going to challenge you the reader to endure in your lifetime so now it's up to us to endure so this is the where we find ourselves in hebrews chapter 12 and and today i'm going to do something unusual. I'm going to preach one verse. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Would you hear with me the word of God? Therefore, since we also, excuse me, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Would you pray with me? God, thank You for this simple truth of Scripture. God, for this clear command that we are to run the race of the Christian life. God, I think about today being the day You knew in in the mind of God, You knew that we would be delayed in honoring our graduates and that it would be this day that lines up with Hebrews 12.1. And God, what a great challenge for graduates and for all of us to run the race set before us with endurance. God, I, I pray in the moments to come, that we would apply ourselves to this passage of Scripture. That by your Holy Spirit, we would listen well. God, that we would remember this is the perfect, infallible, inspired Word of God, and we can trust our lives uh, to it. And God, we thank you that you've spoken, and we ask now that we would hear and hear well what you have said. In Jesus' name, amen. In this passage, the Christian life is compared to a race that requires endurance. The Christian life is not a a 40-meter dash or a 400-meter relay. It's not even a 4-by-800-meter relay. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And finishing a long-distance race is not easy. I always have admired Usain Bolt and his speed. Do you remember the the sprinter uh, who's lightning fast? But his training, relative to the training required by a marathon runner, it's, it's apples and oranges. There's no comparison. To run and prepare for a marathon, you've got to be able to run 
longer than the 26.2 miles that is required to be able to run with endurance at the pace that's required to finish the marathon. So I've always, I've always appreciated, I appreciate all kinds of athletes and their discipline and their training, but I've especially appreciated the training that is required to be a distance runner. Just, just the basic training takes hours and hours and hours and hours. And it's, it's not easy. It's hard. And what we're learning in this one verse of Scripture today is to run the race with endurance, the race of the Christian life, to keep putting one foot in front of the other as we march toward eternity in Christ. There's three things that we see just in this first verse. First, we must be encouraged by the witnesses surrounding us as we run. Second, we must put aside everything that would hinder our progress in the race, especially the sin of unbelief. And then finally, we must run the race that is set before us. So first, we've got to be encouraged by the witnesses who are surrounding us. When you train for a marathon, you don't ask Usain Bolt how to train for a marathon. You go find somebody who's run a marathon, right? You you go to somebody who's got the credentials, somebody who's finished the race. And verse 1 begins with the word, therefore, looking back at everything that's been said in chapter 11, 18 times we see what these Old Testament saints did by faith, by faith, by faith. And because you've got their example, therefore, because we have so many have shown us that enduring faith is possible, let us endure as well. Isn't it good to know that God isn't calling you to something that hasn't already been done? He's not calling you to something that's, that's unaccomplishable. In fact, He came in the person of His Son and ran the race for you and paved the path for you so that you can walk in His power and you can indeed finish the race. The stadium that we run in is filled with examples of people who have run the race with endurance. And that's good news. And while the saints who have gone before us are not physically present, the the text tells us they're like a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. So even though they're not physically present, they are nevertheless witnesses who who are encouraging us by their completed example to keep running by faith. To be encouraged by their example, our mental and spiritual world has to be the world of the Bible. Where do we learn of these witnesses? We learn of them in the Bible. There's no other way to be surrounded by their testimony than to have our our heads informed by God's Word so that our hearts might beat with a passion to run toward Christ. When we live in the world of the Bible, we find encouragement to keep running toward the promises of God by faith. I'll never forget my last regional cross-country race for Northside High School just down the road. We were on a course I had never run. Our bus was late. We didn't get a chance to preview the course or even get in a full warm-up. And I was having, quite frankly, a senior slump. Parents of one of my good friends probably remembers that day. Uh, They're here with me. Best runner on our team. It was 48 degrees. There was a steady rain. The gun fired. And amazingly, for the first time that season, I got out of the gates good, was running well, was feeling good, and with less than a mile to go, my spikes hit the top of a rock at, at, as a turn was coming, and I slipped and landed on my right hip and lacerated my right hip. And as I was laying there wallowing in my sorrow and in my pain and slid my muddy fingers across that gash to assess how bad it was, 
runners, dozens of runners, ran over my body toward the finish line as I laid there contemplating whether or not I would get up. And it was in that moment that I heard shouting from a long distance across the field. I don't know how, I still to this day don't understand how they saw me fall. But I heard my head coach, who was well into his 60s at the time, but ran with our team every day and challenged us. He ran at the collegiate level. He had done all this before. I trusted in his example. I believed this was someone who had walked where I had walked, and he had done it with integrity, and he shouted across the field, Get up! Keep running! You have to score! And I don't know if you're familiar with cross country, but you send seven runners out, but only the top five score. I usually scored in the third place for my team. And by him telling me that I had to score, that meant that I was outside of fifth place on my team. And if I didn't somehow get up and register what was typically my third place time, we would miss the state meet. I can't remember what happened between getting up and seeing the finish line as we entered the stadium where we finished. But as I entered the stadium and came out of the, as I came out of the woods and saw the stadium, I could see the entire field in front of me. I could see the, the teammates that I had who had passed me that I needed to be ahead of in order for our team to win. And all I could hear was, get up, keep running. You've got to score. I don't know how it happened other than the encouragement that was replaying in my head over and over again. And somehow, some way, I went from seventh to third and we made the state tournament. Not because I was a great runner. Our two runners ahead of me were amazing. I was pretty average. But the reason we made the state tournament is because someone was there at the right time to tell me to get up and keep going, to be encouraged. Church, you're in a race, and Jesus is the finish line, and by faith you can keep running to and for Him. And there's some people here this morning in this congregation, there's some people this morning listening online, you need to be reminded, you need to be encouraged in the race. You, your, your mind has been surrounded by social media, Facebook, Twitter, a 24-hour news cycle, and you're being defeated by coronavirus and all the the things that are, there are to debate and to discuss, and your mind is being ripped away from the kingdom of God. And what you need is to hear the witness of Scripture. There's a great cloud of witnesses surrounding you that says if you'll keep your head and your heart fixed on the promises of God, you can finish the race. The cloud of witnesses, of course, includes more than just the people of chapter 11. The hall of faith gets new inductees every time a saint finishes the race on Monday of next week, we'll celebrate the life of Elsie Moore. I think she passed at the age of 97. We'll have it available on live stream at 1 o'clock, but you're also welcome to attend if you would like. We'll be socially distanced and wear masks. But she ran the race with endurance. Every Sunday when I finished preaching, she had a word of encouragement for me. I was so blessed by your sermon. I, I want to share with you what Jesus has been doing in my life. The the cloud of witnesses is all around us if we have eyes and ears to hear and to see. But to keep running, we need more than outside encouragement. We also need to pursue purity in our own lives. We, we can't run the race and ignore what it takes to run well. Which means, secondly, we must put aside everything that hinders our progress, especially 
the sin of unbelief. In verse 1, we read, Let us also lay aside every encumbrance or weight or burden and the sin which so easily entangles us. The word also, let us lay aside, let us also lay aside, means us too. Don't just look at everybody else laying aside their sin and hope that they'll lay aside their sin. We also must lay aside our weights, our burdens, our disadvantages in the race. We've got a race to run and we've got to lay aside anything that would weigh us down. Those Old Testament saints put down doubt and worry and anxiety and pride and confusion and self-reliance and they relied on God and we must do the same. To endure to the end with Jesus and for Jesus. We've got to understand, church, that Jesus has put us in a race toward heaven in a world that does not want you to get there. The world doesn't want you to succeed. And so we've got to allow our minds and hearts to be the world of the Bible and the world of the church and the world of the saints who have endured. And we've also got to lay down anything that would hold us back. We are running a marathon, not walking through an amusement park. You go to an amusement park, what do you do? You get all the food and water you can get in with you. You got a cooler and a fanny pack in the stroll. If you got a baby in the stroller, and then you're stuffing like all the stuff down in there to make it as affordable as you can, as comfortable as you can. And the amusement park is all about you and doing whatever you want to do to pass the time. We are not walking through an amusement park in the Christian life. We are running a marathon. And runners who run a marathon want to get to the finish line as fast and as efficiently and effectively as they can. So they put aside anything they possibly can that would hinder their progress in the race. You know what runners, competitive runners wear, right? Not much. I still tell myself that's why Stacy married me. She got to see me in a track outfit. Yeah, she didn't like that one last night, but I thought it was good. Church, if we're clothed with righteousness... The righteousness of Christ. We don't need to put anything else on to run the race. We don't need to put on what the world tells us we have to have. We don't need to put on fame. We don't need to put on promotion. We don't need to put on another degree. None of those things are bad in and of themselves. But the reason or the motivation for which we pursue them must be the glory of Christ. We, if we're going to run to see the King of righteousness, we can't load ourselves up with things that undermine our pursuit of the righteousness of Christ. We are running to see the King of righteousness. When runners run, they lay aside every encumbrance. That word means weight or burden. How can you lay aside the burdens of this life? You can do it because Jesus came to take your burden. He came to bear every burden, the suffering, the stain of sin, the weight, the guilt. He came to take it so that you can run toward Him with a a fervent energy that is inspired and given by the Holy Spirit. It wells up from within. He changes you from the inside out and makes you run a race rather than feel like the world is about you and your amusement. Those running toward Jesus set aside acceptance in this world to run. They set aside comfort in this world to run. They give away wealth in this world to run. They live their lives on mission for Jesus even when it means less time for other good things because they are running to see the King. You know why so many Christians feel defeated in the Christian life? It's because they aren't running. They're just trying to load up all the stuff that they can put on 
And they've missed the message that the Christian life is a race. And to be, have joy in the Christian race, you've got to lay down things that delay you in successfully running the race. To run with endurance, we, the text says, let us, must lay aside, cast off, do away with every. What does every mean? All. Lay aside every weight that keeps us back from winning the race. To run well and set aside the weights that weigh us down. We need one another. Let us lay aside these things. We need accountability and encouragement that comes in a local church. We need to push one another to love and good deeds and to set aside the weights of the world and run the race to the King of Kings. You know when runners are happiest? When they're running. You say, I lack joy in my life. Are you running? I lack peace in my life. Are you running? Are you running the race set before you? Or are you taking detours in the weights of the world, thinking that you'll get, a, get around to running one day? Well, right now I'm going to do this thing about me. I'm going to run this race over here that's for me, and it's about my life, and I'm going to attain all this stuff for me, and then I'll jump back onto the race at the last minute. Guess what? If you live your life like that, you'll never jump back. And you'll stand before the Lord and you'll say, many say to me, Lord, Lord. And I'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. You weren't even in the race. There's some people that need to get in the race today. Stop pretending Jesus is all about you. Oh, he's for you. And he loves you. And he'll wash you white as snow. But when he puts you in the race, he makes you want to run toward him and pursue him as the finish line. Is Jesus your finish line? What are you looking forward to in eternity? Are you looking forward to being with Jesus? Today is the day, church, to lay aside every weight. The race is not for someday in the future. It's for, for today and every day. So let's run. And let's set it aside, whatever it is. And let's go to and with Jesus. So we've got to answer this question as a church and as a people and as husbands and wives and as children. What's holding you back in the race? What is Jesus calling you to lay down so that you can run to Him today? If we're trusting in Jesus, the Spirit of God will guide you in identifying the weights that are in your life and then throwing them away. You know, weights are often deceptive because they don't seem like weights. Did you know good things can become weights in your life? Vacations, entertainment, sports, hobbies, recreation, grandchildren, family. These are all wonderful gifts from God. But if we allow it, good things can end up undermining the best thing. When good things become a justification for sidelining Jesus for a future season in our life and ignoring Jesus right now, they become weights. Jesus did not die, church, to be an attraction in our amusement park. He died to be our Lord and our King and our supreme affection for all eternity. So weights can be good things that are enemies of the best thing. But weights can also be sins in our lives. They can be unconfessed sins. They can be accepting sin is just the way I am. It's just what I do. It's just my little hang-up. It's my little malady. Jesus doesn't really care about it. And it can also be the sin of refusing to deal with sin. As one scholar says, one of the most horrifying truths about sin is that it clings to the sinner. Sin is a real threat with which Christians must constantly contend. Both Colossians and Ephesians, Paul says a lot about laying aside 
sin and killing it in our lives. It's the same word we see here, laying aside weights. In Ephesians 4.22, he says, In reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self. Did you know that old self that, that is dying as your new self is pursuing life everlasting in Christ? He does not want you to finish the race. That old man does not want you to run. He wants to take you out of the race. And as long as you're running toward Jesus, that old man is withering and dying. He's like the wicked witch of the West. Melting, melting, melting. But until he gasps his last, he's going to keep rearing his ugly head. And you've got to lay aside the sin that so easily entangles. To run the race, we've got to lay down sin. We can't live in, accept, and tolerate sin and simultaneously run toward Jesus. We can't redefine what sin is to accommodate the watching world and run toward Jesus. After telling us to lay aside every weight, the author then tells us to lay aside the sin, singular, which so easily trips us, controls us, entangles us. What do you think the sin is? It's interesting, a lot of translations leave out the definite article, the, there, which is unfortunate because the author is writing about a particular sin. He's writing about the sin of unbelief. How do we know that? Chapter 11, 18 times, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And there are seasons in our life where we just want to accept the weights of the world or we want to accept the sin in our lives and we want to believe, well, God just isn't going to deliver me from this and so I'm going to stop believing God. You can't do that and stay in the race. Someone here this morning, someone online needs to be reminded that running the race is worth it. That sin that you keep battling, you need to have faith the battle is worth it and Jesus can overcome it. That it's okay to confess it and repent of it and to ask others to hold you accountable, to fight it to the death so that you can run the race with Jesus. Some of you in COVID-19 have been tempted in ways you've never experienced before. Some want to throw up your hands and forget the race. And today, God is calling you by way of verse 1 to not throw up your hands and forget God and give up on God. He's calling you back and saying, don't stop believing in me. Don't stop trusting in me. Don't, stop forget, don't begin to forget what I've accomplished for you in leaving the glory of heaven, running the race in your place so that you can run it daily in my power. You say, Pastor, I've got a weight in my life. I've got a sin in my life. And I'm struggling to lay it down. How do, I, how do I lay it down? First thing you can do is own it. If you've got a piece of paper, an iPhone, or an iPad, just write it down. Here's, my, here's the biggest weight in my life. It is dominating my thought life. It's dominating my heart. And I've got to lay it down. I've got to let it go. Just own it. The next thing you do is write down the name of a Christian you can tell. Somebody who will help you who will welcome you just like Jesus would, who will show you the grace of Christ, but then they won't stop there. They won't paper over it and say, it's okay, it's fine. They will lead you to the cross of Christ, and in prayer, they will covenant together to walk with you until the weight is gone. And you'll keep running toward Jesus. Don't accept defeat in your life. Jesus died so you could run. And then thirdly, after we lay down the weight and the sin of unbelief, we've got to run the race that's set before us. Let us run the race set before us. Did you know the race is set before you? It's not a race you invent. It's a race that's given by God. It's from God and for God. 
There are people who name the name of Jesus and even preach in the name of Jesus, but they want nothing to do with the race that Jesus has run. They want an easy race, a race that's all about them and money and fame, but that's not the race that God calls us to run. When we encounter challenging things in this world or besetting sins, sometimes we want to redefine the race, or we even want someone else's race. Well, if, if I had her husband, then my life wouldn't be so difficult. If I had that job, or if I'd gotten that promotion, or if I pastored that church and had that congregation, then things wouldn't be as difficult or as challenging or, as they are here. We do it all the time. We, we covet other people's races. And God says, I've, I put you in a race. And whatever race you're in, guess what? It's not as difficult as the race that His Son ran for you. The race we must run is the race set before us. And yes, the race runs through adversity and opposition, but guess where it ends? It ends at the glorious and nail-pierced feet of Jesus. So God is asking you, church, this morning. He's asking you to be encouraged by those who've gone before and to keep running. He's asking you to identify the weights in your life, those unconfessed sins or those sins that you accept, to identify them and to find someone that you will pray with and you will go to war against them until they're put to death in your life as you keep running toward Christ. And finally, He's asking you this. Run the race that God puts before you. Stop looking around for somebody else's race and just run. God is asking us to run the race that's right in front of us right now and I have good news. I don't know what the adversity or the obstacle is in your life today, but I know the one who does. And I know that he's right there with you in the race. If you're in Christ, if you've trusted Christ, then by faith you are running in and with the one who's already won in your place. You say, well, I, I feel like I, I strayed from the course, I strayed from the path, I, I went out of the race. Guess what? If you're in Christ, he is right there to receive you afresh, put you on the path as you keep running towards Christ. So, if you're in the race already by faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you to identify the weight and lay it down. But there are others of you, you're not in the race. If you're honest with yourself, you think Jesus is an attraction in the amusement park of life. My career's over here, my education's over here, my marriage is over here, this is over there, and Jesus is a part of my life. Jesus doesn't want to be a part of your life, He wants to be your life. He wants to be your destination and your goal and your ambition and your pursuit. Everything that you have, all that you are, aimed in the direction of the kingdom of God that is coming on earth as it is in heaven one day when Christ returns. Will you be in Christ? If you don't know that today, let today be the day that you have faith in Jesus. Would you pray with me? God in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for Hebrews which keeps reminding us that we need to have faith in your Son. Jesus, we thank you that the race is won. God, that, that through your Son, the, the path of forgiveness is wide open because the perfect Son of God was slain to grant forgiveness and to give a pure and clean conscience and to motivate us to take the next step towards Christ day by day. God, if there's anyone in this room who needs to lay aside a weight, God, I pray you'd give them liberty, even in this strange time, to step out of wherever they're sitting, or maybe in their home to kneel down by their couch. God, if they want to come here to the front stage and, 
and lay down a weight, begin that process of laying down a weight and killing sin in their life. God, by your spirit, you would prompt them maybe to even signify that publicly by coming to pray. God, if there's anyone who needs to actually get in the race, maybe they've been coming to church, attending church, hearing the Bible, but they've never actually surrendered their life to Jesus. Maybe they've never said, Jesus, it's all about you. I I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be all about you. I want you to use me and fill me to, to honor and glorify Christ no matter what it takes. Maybe today would be the day of salvation for some who would lay down an amusement park Jesus and take up Jesus as the goal of their life. God, have your will in your way as we sing to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.